Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning, Movement Church. You guys sound amazing and you look amazing. Those of you that were here last week, you look even better this week than you did last week. And for some of you, it's a miracle. Come on, that's a Christmas miracle, man. How many of you were here with us for our Christmas Eve services? Were they not amazing? Listen, would you do me a favor? We had three amazing Christmas Eve services. We had an army of men and women that showed up here at 5.45 on Christmas Eve morning, there were some people that served one or two services. We had a few select heroes that served all three services and helped us tear down on Christmas Eve. All so that people could come in and we had a packed house. And here's the greatest thing. We had 41 people say yes to Jesus on that day. Come on, that's where the hand clap. But let me tell you, I, would you just do me a favor? Even though they're, you don't necessarily know who they are, would you help me in just giving a, a round of applause for the men and women who served last week on our Dream Team? Come on, let's give them an applause. Just an amazing crew. We had such a blast. And I'm so excited about what's going to happen today. It, it's one of our favorite Sundays, and we say that every week. Because every Sunday is our favorite Sunday. For those of you that are new, my name is Carrie. Uh, my wife and I, Megan, are some of the pastors here. You got a chance to meet my wife a minute ago. But, man, we're so honored that you're with us. And, and we got something fun in store for you today. And uh, what we do every, it's kind of awkward, the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the year, depending on how it falls in the calendar, we do Believe Sunday. And today, at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to write down the top ten things that you're believing God is going to do in 2018. So just get prepared. I'm going to let you do that. We're going to, you're going to have a moment between you and God with your cell phone. And so just get ready. That's coming at the end of the service. So just start thinking, God, what are the things that I want to do, see you do in my life? And hey, here's the cool part. This is here for me, so I'm going to stand here today. It's kind of awkwardly fun, and it rocks, kind of like me. <laughs> uh, here's, here's the fun part. I, I, don't know, I don't know all of you yet. I look forward to getting to know many of you, but... I know that in a crowd like this, there's a lot of different faith journeys. And some of us may have walked in having been pursuing a relationship with Christ for years, maybe even decades. For some of us, today is like, I'll check it out and see. And so not only for today, as I share a few thoughts with you, but specifically at the end of this service, I want to just challenge you. I, I would never ask you to just accept anything that I say just because I'm telling you to, but I, all I would actually ask you to do is give God a chance. Like, like literally, just for the next 22 minutes and 22 seconds, just to open your heart and your ears to hear and receive whatever it is that God may want to do. And I think if we do that, God has this unique way of doing the miraculous in our life. So I want to share a few thoughts with you, but before I do that, I want to tell you about a journey that we're going to begin as a church starting next Sunday. Everybody say 21 days. Every year we gear up with a 21-day challenge in January, getting prepared to be intentional with our year. 
So a lot of people will make New Year's resolutions, and I'm all about that. I think it's great. And so this kind of folds right in line with that. But I want to challenge you to take a 21-day journey with us. Even if this church isn't officially your home, take the journey with us. And I'm going to ask you to do three things. So I'm going to take a few minutes of my sermon and and actually talk to you about this because I believe it's so important. So three things I want to ask you to journey with me. Can you do that today? So here's number one. Everybody say devote. Devote. No, come on, like you mean it. Say devote. Devote. I want to challenge you for 21 days to devote an exceptional amount of time to a personal relationship with God. And that looks like prayer and reading the word and actually kind of making a sacrifice in your life. You ever done like a physical detox and you stop eating carbs or sugar or whatever it is, and then you start putting the good things into your body. Most of you drink that lemon cayenne business and you have to like chug it and you want to die afterwards and they say it's healthy for you, but I think we're all on video cameras somewhere and you know what I mean? You get to get detox. So I want to challenge you to do that spiritually. We're our team and, and everyone's invited. We're going to be praying every morning from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Just starting the year off right and you can join us. And I want to encourage you to read the word with us, the Bible. We've provided everything you need called the step reading plan. And it's on our website at theocmovement.com forward slash step or read, I believe, actually. Follow along with us. And then that's number one, devote. Number two, everybody say connect. No, come on, say connect. I want to challenge you over the course of 21 days to to really make a, a priority building some authentic relationships. So what I'm going to ask that you do is you connect with somebody that you know at the movement church after hours, like outside of a church service, grab some coffee or a dinner and just get to know some people and actually ask what's going on in their world and, and build some relationships. Just like my wife said a moment ago that, that church happens not in rows, but in circles. When we sit across the table from each other and encourage each other in this world. But I also want to challenge you to connect with some people who aren't in this church but for the purpose of encouragement it's amazing I've been here in Orange County for six years and I've just fallen in love with the amazing people of this awesome region but it is super easy to build relationships with people that stay at a surface level talk about the weather and the sports that you prefer whatever it might be it's not the Chargers that's for sure and anything else sorry people (laughs) I'm a Cowboys fan, 25 years of disappointment, so i got to project onto somebody. And we can always just have great conversation but never go anywhere past that. And I want to challenge you to actually ask some tough questions like, hey, what's going on in your world? How can I be praying for you? Regardless of their belief, I've never had a single person tell me they do not want me to pray. Literally, atheists have said, no, please pray for me. I'm like, wait a minute, this is a contradiction of terms, but no, just pray for me. I just want to challenge you. Hang with some people that you know from the church and some people outside the church. So devote, connect, and everybody say number three, say invest. I want to challenge you to invite one person to the movement church every day for 21 days. We do a great job of inviting people at Christmas and at Easter, but what we don't realize there's people walking around outside the doors of this church that are walking through crisis and hopelessness and despair, and they're just desperate for someone to say, hey, let me point you, let me point you to the way of hope. So I want to challenge you, be in this journey with us starting next Sunday. We'll kick it off at Movement Night. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be life transformation. I can promise you this. At the end of the day, 21 days, your life will not be perfect. You will not have everything figured out. But I believe that God will be so infinitely close to you that it will radically revolutionize your life. Let's pray as we dive in today's sermon. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we're just excited about all that today has to offer. God, I thank you that I now only have 17 minutes to preach a message. 
I pray you'd help me to preach fast and everybody here to listen quickly and nobody to fall asleep too, God. Let them laugh at my jokes in Jesus' name. And let them forgive me for talking bad about the Chargers because we all know you don't love them either. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Man, I'm glad that you're still not hating me. But I want to share a couple thoughts with you today within the topic of belief. Everybody say belief. So today is called Believe Sunday. And, and listen, this concept of faith or belief is woven all throughout the Bible. And everything that we teach on at this church, every song that we sing is based upon the truth of what the Bible says. And the Bible is split into two components, the Old Testament, which is before Jesus, and the New Testament. And all throughout, this concept of faith and belief are woven through as if it's trying to say something to us. This concept of belief in the Old Testament was more about faithfulness and loyalty, and it jumps onto the scene in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, and chapter 15, where we hear a story about a man named Abraham who was referred to as a father of the faith, kind of like a patriarch of the faith, and, and God said, hey, I've got great things ahead of you. I've got an awesome future for you, and, and in fact, if you'll go outside and look at the stars, the number of the stars will be like the number of your descendants, and Abraham went outside and he looked at the stars, and the Bible said that when Abraham looked, that he believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness, just because of belief. And this thread, this theme, reoccurs over and over again, all the way into the New Testament, but the word belief in the New Testament is more synonymous with the word hope. And it culminates in the completed work on Calvary. Let me explain to you what that means. Jesus came to this earth and he lived a sinless life. And he died a sinner's death on a cross on a hill called Calvary. He took the weight and the punishment of the sin of all humanity and there had to be a consequence for sin. You get that because if we speed past a police officer, he's probably going to give us a ticket. Last year on New Year's Day, a police officer gave me a ticket. I was like, blessings. Come on, man. It's the first day of the year, bro. And he's like, I don't care, bro. I have to work. And I got a ticket. It was expensive. Anyways, that's not what my message is about today. <laughs> Jesus, he climbed onto the cross and he took the punishment and the weight of the sin and the shame of all humanity. He paid for our consequence by his death. And sin is slavery. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 8, check this out. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped. Some of us walked in today feeling trapped. In a dead end life and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who cannot come and go at will. So not only did Jesus take the consequence of sin, but Jesus' death also brought or purchased, if you will, our freedom from slavery. In fact, the scripture goes on, the very scripture goes on to say that whoever Jesus sets free is free wholeheartedly. And here's the greatest thing about this freedom. This payment for our sin, for this slavery, this freedom that Jesus gives, it's 100% free for all who attend the movement church. No, that's not true at all. It's a free gift for all who have got a pretty good past. 
You know what I'm talking about? You know those people that have a really bad past? You're probably sitting next to them right now. That's not for them, right? This freedom is only for people who are kind of good. I married a person who was really good. The worst thing she ever did was marry me. Can I get an amen from some people? Wait, don't amen that. That just makes me feel awkward now. Listen, this is not a free gift for people who are a member of a church. This is not a free gift for those who have got a perfectly spot-free past. And that should be some good news for some people. Especially for some people like me. Where you look at the course of your life and, and you can see not just pages of your life, but chapters that you hope no one ever reads. Maybe even sagas. Like, like maybe your book, the book of your life is actually three or four books long. And maybe if you're like me, you have an entire book that you just would like to destroy and remove. But you know what is so great about who Jesus is, is that he paid for the, the, the sin and, and the shame and the condemnation of even people like me who aren't perfect. It's a free gift. And here's all we have to do to receive that free gift. It's found in Ephesians chapter 8. Look at this. It says this. God saved you by his grace. Look at that. Not now. There it is. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Simply to believe. There's something about this word believe that moves the heart of God. Not about eradicating your past and making your life perfect, but just simply to believe. And I want to tell you that what is actually so terrifying to me, and really to kind of bring us back to what today is about, is I believe many of us can actually believe God for salvation, but not for our normal everyday life. God doesn't actually want to be involved in my life. Okay, sure, he's got grace, and, and sure, he died on the cross, but now, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of just running this race alone. So when it comes time to write down a thought or, or to think of a few things to say, God, I'm believing you're going to do, dare I say, the miraculous in my life, and this is a challenge for many of us. And the truth is this, that you and I believe in something. The question is, in what or in whom is it that you believe? For many of us in this room, we believe in our skill set, in our current job, and in our income, so much so that we took out a loan to the tune of 550000 or 750000 for an 1,800-square-foot home in Orange County. Can I get an amen from some people who know? Maybe you signed the lease on a 1,100-square-foot and 30. I don't know how they added that little 1,130-square feet. It's like this little nook of a closet that doesn't even have a restroom in it. But you now pay $4 billion a month for this thing in Orange County. You have faith in your skill set so much so that you... We're willing to sign paperwork for that or to take out a loan for a car that will eventually die. We have faith in something. Have you ever met a survivor of cancer? One of our good friends, she survived breast cancer, and, and really she kind of just beat it up. And the way she did that was through so many different things. But one of the key contributing factors is by the way that she ate. She changed her entire diet, and every time you're around her, you just kind of lean in and ask, what should I eat or what shouldn't I eat if this stuff right here contributes to the cancer that you fought and you literally almost died for, man, then we should probably stop eating those things. And yet so many of us have the belief that we're going to outlive things by the way that we eat 
and live our life. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? Got real quiet in here. Are y'all tracking with me today? I just think that there's something to this whole concept of belief. We're putting our faith in someone or in something. And the Bible talks about where we should place our faith in, cha- in Isaiah chapter 12. I love this passage of scripture. Isaiah was the man who wrote it. Look at this in verse 2. It says, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, and he repeats it here, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Leave that up for just a moment, guys. That word trust, it literally translates in Hebrew to believe. The word translates to the word believe. I will believe that God is my salvation and not be Afraid. The word believe, literally the definition means to trust, to be confident in, to be unsuspecting. And this scripture, this verse was written to a people who had been exiled from their city. They lived in captivity to the Babylonians at this time. So they were in a dark season of their life. And Isaiah is saying, hey, God is who we can trust in. But yet for so many of us, it's still so challenging to trust in and believe that God wants to be an active part of my life. So I wrote down a couple thoughts for us today and a few remaining moments together as you're getting geared up to write down the things you're going to believe. I wrote down a, a few thoughts that I think kind of contribute to or, or, or maybe are at the antithesis to why we, we struggle with belief. And I think one of the reasons that belief is so often contextualized by my experiences I allow my experience to bring context to what I do or do not believe. Let me illustrate. Maybe you have a great skill set. Perhaps you're here and you're an electrical engineer and you went to school for this. And maybe you graduated three or four or five or seven or eight years ago and you've got a great job. And so I've got this skill set that kind of, it kind of builds one side of a wall. And then because of that skill set, because I've gone to school, I prov- it provides an income now. It's a pretty solid income, especially in Orange County. So I've got this skill set and it's also bringing in an income. And now I've been working at my firm for five or six or ten years years and so I've got tenure but not only that because of my skill set because of my extensive experience I'm not really afraid if this job doesn't pan out because I think feel I feel pretty confident I can get a job somewhere else and now because I've made so much money I've got good credit and so I build this box that feels like faith and as a result I step out in faith and I purchase a home and I take out a loan now listen I'm not against buying a home by the way (laughs) But all of that is based upon the faith that I've got a skill set, I have a job, I've got good credit, I can find another one, so I take out a loan. Because these things surely won't fail me unless you lived through 2007 and 2009. If you lived in Phoenix or Vegas, you remember 2007 well. Obviously, y'all didn't. So I step into this box that feels like safety, and we do the same thing to God. But with our experiences, when we experience crisis, I've been to the emergency rooms more times than I can imagine. I've been praying for safety and things that haven't worked out. I've been unhealthy or had these experiences and expectations that I was believing for God. But all I can see is disappointment. 
Or maybe I lost someone close to me and I've got a parameter on this side and now I'm experiencing pain and I step into this box of experience and I keep God at bay. Because there's no way that he could actually do something more than I've already experienced in my life. And we allow our experience to contextualize our belief instead of allowing the word of God to contextualize our faith. That's why Isaiah, he said, surely God is my salvation. And what he's actually doing here is he's not just writing to people. He's writing to himself. Any of you, and you just need honest people for a moment. Any of you talk to yourself out loud in the car while you're driving? Don't lie to me. I don't. Y'all are all weird. That is so strange. Have you ever got in, an, in a fake argument with somebody that you're about to see, and you're just already, anybody done the hypothetical, and if he says this, I'm going to say that, and then, you know, y'all need help. I'm praying, put that on your belief card. I'm kidding. I do the same thing, and that's what Isaiah is doing here. He doesn't say, you're God. He says, surely God is my salvation. And the way I read it, it sounds like this, and I'll, I'll trust and, and not be afraid. We're in captivity, God, and, and you actually sent me as a messenger to tell people, and man, I, the Lord, the Lord himself, I hope he's my strength. A lot of times we read it differently, but this is how I read it. This is how I picture Isaiah may have said it, and, and I hope he's my defense. And, and, and eventually he's going to become my salvation. It's as if he's reminding himself that this is what God is capable of. When do you need to tell yourself not to be afraid? When you're afraid. That's not a trick question. <laughs> Got an eight-year-old daughter, and every once in a while, she may have a bad dream. So she crawls down out of her little bunk bed and comes into our bedroom, and guess whose side she goes to? Not mine. I would say, go back to your bed, or I will scare you. She calmly walks over to Megan's side of the bed, and Megan obviously, Megan wakes up when the door opens. If an intruder broke in, I would be awake, but when our kids walk in, I'm dead asleep. Any other dads out there? It's a gift. I, I'm grateful for it. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Megan opens up the covers and pulls in Avery. It's the same house. It's the same darkness. But she's not afraid. Why? Because her mom. She's like, I, I got you. And that's what this verse is saying. When do you need a defense? When someone's attacking you. So stop allowing your, your life and your experience to contextualize your belief. God's saying, man, I got this thing. I love how Jesus said it in Matthew. He looked and said, with man, all thing, things are impossible with God. But with God, all things are possible. Some of you need to write that down. As a verse for 2018, with God, all things are possible. I believe another reason we struggle with belief is because belief is often constricted by my time frame. Like I'm expecting God to do what, what, what I want him to do when, when I want him to do it. I'll never forget about 13 years ago, we found out that Megan's dad had cancer and it was a very rare form of cancer. And in fact, he's one of only 30 cases. And, and of all the cases, none of them had lived past six months. And when they found it, he'd had it for 13 months. So there was no hope in this scenario. But we were believing that God can and wanted to do a miracle. So we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we fasted and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And we prayed like you don't even know how to pray. Like just believe in God, do a miracle. 
And after a three-and-a-half-year battle, literally, it just raged, it waged war on his body. Until finally, we end up in a hospital room where Megan and her brothers and her mom had to make the decision to take him off of life support. Because we knew that wasn't the life that he wanted. Now, we're in Phoenix at this time, and I'm an executive pastor, and I'm going back and forth on weekends, flying to Texas to be with family, flying back on Sundays to be part of the church. And in our church at that point, in, in a certain time of the service, we would bring some of the leaders up front, and we would say, hey, if you need prayer, come on up. People want to pray for you. And I was on rotation that Sunday. I've been in ministry for a long time, and I've been a, a follower of Jesus since I was six years old. And I walked to the front of this room, similar to like this, and they said, if you need prayer, come forward. I remember thinking, God, I have no faith. I prayed for Lane for three years, and he died. How am I supposed to believe that you can do this thing? And I'll never forget this young girl and her mom walked down, and they, they made eye contact. And they were coming straight towards me. I'm thinking, God, let somebody else pray for them. They reached out their hands, and... I grabbed their hands and I said, what can I pray for you about? And I have no faith on the inside. And I'm a pastor. She said, I'm 13 and the doctor said I have multiple sclerosis. And they don't know why I have it. And there's no cure for this thing. And I said, I don't have faith to pray. In my mind, I didn't say that out loud. And I just said, God, you got to do what only you can do. Two weeks later, she came back with a doctor's report that she'd been healed. I don't know why God didn't heal my father-in-law here on this earth and why he healed that young girl. Look him in the eyes. But I know that God's timing is perfect. And his timing is very rarely my timing. So stop trying to put your belief in your own contextualized experiences and stop trying to put your belief based upon your own time frame. God desperately wants to be a part of your life. Let me just pause for a moment, too, and let you know that just to believe doesn't mean I do absolutely nothing. I'm just going to believe for a new job, but I haven't filled out or changed my resume or gone to any interview. But God, bless it. <laughs> Charge your credit card, then go buy a Powerball and say, God, you remain faithful. <laughs> if you win, tithe. That's all we care about, tithe. It doesn't mean we just do nothing. Let me give you a statement that might help you today. We pray as if it depends upon God, but we hustle as if it depends upon us. So God, you do it. You move. You're powerful. You're faithful, but I'm going to work my rear end off. You tracking with me? I had a, an acquaintance back in the day. In 1999, he literally racked up credit card bills because he was convinced the world was going to end in the year 2000. I think he's in prison now, so don't do that. Let's move on. Jeremy, come on up here and, and hang out and play something pretty for me. Don't y'all love it when they're playing? There's something changes in the atmosphere. God's timing is always perfect. His timing is always perfect. No matter what it is we're facing, even when it doesn't feel like it. And I think that leads me to my next point, is that often belief, or we often kind of confine belief to what I'm convinced is best. We kind of put it into the box of, God, you do what I specifically am asking you to do, and nothing else is acceptable. 
Right? We're putting God into this box that doesn't necessarily work. And to believe doesn't mean that crisis or calamity is not going to happen. There's no such thing as a perfect life. To believe means I'm putting my faith and trust in who God is and not my abilities. I love what Psalms 56 says. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. It's saying I'm just choosing to trust you, God, and not myself. It doesn't mean I turn off my intellect or shut down my skill set, but I just choose to put my faith in God. You know, we've been to Africa a couple times. Many of you know this, but we have a, a care point in Swaziland, which is in southern Africa. And uh, we just finished building a building there. It's pretty cool. I'm going in February. We'll be launching a church there this year, hopefully, prayerfully. Right now, we feed about 400 kids a warm meal every day. It's because of your generosity. Many of you sponsor some of the kids there. It's a lot of fun. But anytime you go uh, to Africa, there's always an opportunity to go on a safari. And so I, last time we went, I got to take my 12-year-old my daughter with me at that point, and one of her favorite animals is a lion. And why not? Because it's an amazing animal. And so we're going on the safari. We're praying, God, come on. We really want to see a lion. It would be just an amazing experience if we could do this. And so we get in the safari vehicle, and the driver's in the front seat, and I'm sitting right next to him. And then there's a row here, and then it kind of goes up a tier, and a row here, and up another tier. And there's a row here, and there's like nine people sitting there. And Brooklyn's on the far top, all the way on the outside. And we're driving through this beautiful like safari park. And checking out all kinds of animals, and it's really a magical moment. And all of a sudden, the safari guy, he pulls over to the side, and he, he just stops. And the car is still running, and he says, hey, I can't imitate the accent. It's not that good. But he says, hey, there's some lions over there. And we look, and in the tall grass, there's three juvenile, uh, juvenile, I don't know how you say it, it's like teenage lion boys. Is that good enough? <laughs> I'm having a hard time talking. I don't talk too good today. And there's like three lions. And they're just kind of walking through the tall grass, and their shoulder blades are kind of doing that whole thing. Please don't take a picture of me while I'm doing this. That would be great. They're walking through the tall grass, and, and it's just this really amazing moment. And one of them notices us and kind of pokes his head up out of the grass and starts walking kind of fast towards us. And then his fast walk begins to turn into a little bit of a jog, and his jog starts getting faster. And I'm thinking... My daughter is on the same side that this lion is running, and on the front of the truck, there was a stick with a knob on the end, and I guess that was what we were supposed to use for defense, but regardless, I start calculating, what am I going to do to save my daughter? I don't care about anybody else. I'm going to save my daughter's life, and so I'm slowly reaching for this stick, and I'm working out the whole thing in my mind, right? Anybody else like that? And it's in slow motion. This lion is now sprinting like... Full on sprinting, mouth open, and I think Nasuatnya was playing in the background, and it was this slow motion yet real life thing. And I'm I'm gonna grab the stick and push the guide's head down, jump on his back, soar through the air, beat up this lion, save my daughter's life. And it's going to be amazing. And as this is happening, I'm reaching. This is a true story. I'm reaching for the stick, the safari guide. He begins to reach up too. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. If he's scared, I'm really scared. And he's reaching for the stick. And as he gets close, he brings his hand down. And he turns the car off. I'm like, drive out of here. What are you doing? And about that time, it dawned on me. He knows what he's doing. And if I had grabbed this stick and jumped out of the car, I would have been hailed as a hero. 
hailed as a warrior, hailed as a champion, and I would have been dead <laughs> instantaneously. All because I failed to listen to the guide. You see, the guide knows the nature of the lions. He knows the terrain. And here's the kicker. He's been there before. He knew exactly what we needed. He turned off the car and he sat back and he smiled and the lion ran right up to the truck. Mouth open and Brooklyn got a sick photo of a lion three feet away. My heart still raced for about an hour. But thank God I listened to the guide. And I just wonder how many of us today, maybe we can quantify belief as just that. Listening to the guide. And God actively, desperately wants to be a part of your life. Not accidentally, not spontaneously, but consistently. And I just wonder what he wants to do in your life this year. Something happens when we simply believe. I want you to watch this video in just a moment of a pastor on our team who wrote down the things she was praying for in her believe card last year and got it back in November as you guys will get next year and at the end of the year. And Just listen to her story as she tells about God's faithfulness. So last year, I did not want to fill out my Believe card because I was having some trouble believing. I had written the same 10 things down for three years, and I just didn't want to write anything else down. It was a struggle to believe, and my disappointment had taken over. And sometimes when uh, your prayers go unanswered or you think things aren't happening in the time frame that you want them to, doubt and unbelief can creep in, and you can feel a hopelessness. And so that's kind of where I was at last year, even as a pastor. And even though I knew the truth, I didn't want to write anything down, but I knew I had to. So I filled out my belief card. It was almost a uh, challenge to God to see if he could actually answer any of my prayers. So I wrote down very practical prayers, what I considered practical things in my life, small things that kind of said, uh, okay, God, if you can do this, show up and let's see. And then he did. There were small things like a real family vacation, which we were just able to go on and it was amazing. I now live in a great home and it was everything I wanted and a lot of upgrades and a great neighborhood for my kids. Our finances, which aren't everything I want them to be, but they are everything I put on the stinking card. And we were challenged last year to write down one impossible thing. And that didn't get answered yet. And so it's something I've been believing for for a long time. So even though my one impossible thing has not been answered yet, I'm still believing and I know that God is faithful and he can perform the miraculous in my life. If I could say one thing to those who are at a point right now this year struggling to write down one thing, more or less 10 things to believe, I was there, I understand. And I would just challenge you to just write it down. The big things, the small things, the things that you may think would never happen. I would just challenge you to write it down. It was crazy to look back this year and see, oh wow, this was answered and this was answered and God showed up and moved. And so as I look back over that, I can see the moments where I feel that I'm faithless. 
God shows up and is always faithful. So no matter where you're at in your faith journey, I want to challenge you to simply believe and fill out that card this year. Come on, can we give it up for that amazing story? I love one of the statements she said was, even though, even though. I mean, she was very transparent. I'm grateful for that because she said, I, there's one thing I've been praying for desperately. and I haven't seen it come to pass the way I was hoping, but even though, I'm still choosing to believe. So we're going to take a moment right now. Everybody do me a favor. Go ahead and grab your cell phones. I know you all have one. And I'll be watching to see who doesn't. And what you're going to do is text the word believe to the number that's on the screen. They're going to send you a quick form. We're not trying to get information from you secretly. What we want to do is give you an opportunity to fill out a believe card. You're going to write down the top nine things you're praying for, believing that God will do this year. And then there's one specific category. Because I know some people walk in, you might say, oh, I'll pray for health and good things and good vibes. But there's that one thing you're a little bit scared to pray for because what if it doesn't happen? I want to challenge you to put your trust in God and write it down. And what we're going to do, we're going to give you about five to seven minutes. The band's going to play. You're going to have a moment in you and God. Maybe as a husband and wife, you want to write these things down together. But right now, you're going to fill that out. And then at the end of the year, in 2018, we're going to email it back to you just as a reminder. So go ahead and take a minute right now. Get your phone. Text the word believe. If it takes a minute to come to you, don't worry. The form is coming soon. And let's just fill this card out right now. Maybe for some of you, it's writing down an unfulfilled dream that you maybe have given up on. Or maybe it's a fragmented relationship that between a parent or a child, a sibling, that you're believing that God's going to do a, a miracle and restore that relationship. Maybe for some it's a, a diagnosis by a doctor that you're just believing that God's going to do a healing. Or just to finish college successfully. Start that career. I want to challenge you, don't miss this moment. You know, before we go any further in today's service, we're literally about 30 seconds more. I know that, I know that there are some people who walked in today challenged with what it is that you believe, but knowing that you're at the precipice of a divine moment. And I just want to suggest that maybe for some of us in this room, the next step is simply to say yes to Jesus. I'm not talking about church membership, and I'm not talking about eradicating a jacked up past. I'm just talking about the moment where I say, Jesus, I've tried it on my own, but I can't do it anymore. And I'm inviting you to be in control of my life. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, in a moment I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. With no embarrassment, nobody has to know. But I'm going to pray a prayer, and if you've never made that decision, right where you're at in the quietness of your own heart, I want to challenge you just to simply pray this prayer with me. And there are some of us in this room today who may have made a decision like that, but we've been running from God, and today is the day to come running back. So if that's you and you've never prayed this prayer, or today it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, 
I want to challenge you to pray this with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Everyone around this room, no one looking, no one moving. Let's make this a holy moment right here, right now. If you've never prayed this prayer, or it's time to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just right where you're at, just say, Dear God, I believe that you're real, that you love me, that you've given me purpose, and I'm not perfect, God. Can you forgive me? Now make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.